Well, thank you, Brother Bradley. I appreciate Brother Bradley, and I appreciate all of you. Thank you for being here today. I enjoyed the uh, first service this morning. I look forward to this service. Good to see all of you. Seen some of you already and talked to some of, some of you, and so I hope to get to see most of you after the service today. But thank you for being here. Uh, I really appreciate my pastor. I love Andy John. I really appreciate his friendship, but also I appreciate his leadership. He's leading by example this morning. You know, Andy John's in the nursery in the children's building today, leading by example. And not only Andy John, but Brother Bradley and Randy and Dwayne and the staff, all of them have been serving this great church and trying to help you to get over there. And so here's a picture of some of our children over there. They've been trying to help, and <laughs> they've really made a difference over there with those kids. And so uh, <laughs> there's little Johnny right over there in that little corner, right? But I do appreciate all of our staff, especially our pastor, leading the way. You know, that's what great leaders do, don't they? They lead by example. And I appreciate our pastor, and I know you do as well. And so I really appreciate him giving me the opportunity this morning to speak, as I did in the first service. And so I'm going to share with you today that something I believe that God's placed on my heart. You know, Andy John has been preaching some powerful messages. I've been taking some notes, and he really has. He, that boy can preach, amen? He really can. And so he's been preaching some powerful messages on walking with God. And God has spoken to me through those messages as well as you. But I got to thinking about that. What happens when we don't walk with God? What's the other side of that coin? As we talk about walking with God, what does it look like when we don't walk with God? What's the consequences? What are the results of a God that loves us unconditionally, but a God who expects us to obey Him, to worship Him, to give Him the glory as this great choir just led us. Y'all got me fired up, man. I'm telling you, that was awesome. So, but what happens when God gives His glory? We worship Him in glory and spirit and in truth. But what happens when we start drifting away from God, when we start walking away from God, falling away from God, and start taking the glory ourselves and putting the emphasis on us instead of our God. What happens there? So that's what I want to talk about today. God's really burned this message in my heart. I want to really try to have clarity today and try to explain where I believe we are as a nation, where we are as a church maybe, and what's happening to America and how we can learn from the nation of Israel. As we have the Old Testament, we read the Old Testament, we see that Israel was God's chosen people. God chose them. He loved them, made a covenant with them. He would never leave them. But they left him on several occasions. Israel would backslide and drift away and walk away from God. And so what happens to us in America? What happens to us when we worship God and honor God and give him glory? What happens when we begin to walk away from God and fall away from God? You know, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. And he told them something uh, they called hard sayings. He told them that he's the bread of life. And he even began to explain that he is, he is the bread of life. And whoever eats of his body and drinks of his blood recognizes him. And they couldn't really understand, as we know, the Lord's Supper and communion. They couldn't understand that. And the Bible says, and get this, the Bible says in John 6, 6, 6. John 6, 6, 6. In other words, John 6, 66, the Bible says that many turned away and followed him no more. You know why? Because they were hard sayings. 
And by the way, it's hard sayings for us, isn't it? We read the Word of God. We know what to do. It's not that we don't really know what to do. Doing it's another thing. And so there's times in our lives individually as a church and even as a nation, there's times in our lives that we too turn away from God and say these sayings are just too hard for us. How can we follow a God like that? And so we know we do that by faith. It's not us performing for God. God's already performed for us at Calvary. So we don't have to perform for God. We just love Him because He loves us. And because we love Him, we obey Him. We come up under His authority. And we give Him glory. We glorify God because of our relationship with His Son Jesus that He gave us. And so I want to talk about that today. So let's pray. Father, I beg you today for your anointing. I recognize without it I am nothing. I can do nothing. I can say nothing. I can preach absolutely nothing without the anointing power and the spirit of a holy God. I pray you would fall on this place and you would, Lord, teach us your words. Lord, there are some hard sayings. But Lord, we cling to John 3, 16. Lord, you loved us so much, you gave us Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so, Lord, we know that in Christ we have life. Teach us today from your word today, Lord, I pray. Give us ears to hear and a heart to discern the word of God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, as we begin this message, I really pray that this message comes across the way my heart intends for it to come across. Because today I'm teaching. I want us to learn. What are we learning from our past mistakes? What are we learning from our history? What are we learning from Israel? We can look at the nation Israel and see how God had these chosen people and how God judged them and how God had a relationship with them just like I believe he does America. And I'm going to talk about it today, and I hope that we'll glean from this message how you and I can walk with a holy God and love him and not turn away from God. First, First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will, not maybe, some will depart from the faith, giving heed, to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, <clears throat> speaking lies and hypocrisy, because their own conscience has been seared with a hot iron. Andy John alluded to this text, I believe, last Sunday and talked about the conscience being seared. And I, I thought about that and uh, what does this mean? What's happening? Uh, we see that Paul is writing to Timothy and saying, you know, there's coming a time in the latter days we're going to see a departing from the faith. We're going to see people turning away from God. We're going to see people who are speaking lies and hypocrisy. Oh, my word, have you been listening to the news? There's one news against another news, and everybody's against one another, and we're just speaking lies and hypocrisy all over the place. And one of the reasons is because our conscience is being seared. And that word seared is a Greek word. It means it's an extreme branding to the deadening of insensitivity. And so what's happening is our sensitivity to God is being deadened. It's being seared with a hot iron. By whom? Well, you know that. It's by Satan. 
Satan's behind all of this, right? And by the way, our battle is with Satan. It's not with each other. It's not this group against that group. Our battle's with Satan. He's the one that's fueling the fire. The Bible's very clear on that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, whose minds, the God of this age, who is that? Satan, prince of the air. Whose minds, the God of this air, has blinded. And so we're being blinded. People are being blinded. They're being blinded to what? The truth of God's word. They're being blinded to God. Insensitivity to the things of God, the spiritual things of God. Now I want you to turn over to Titus chapter 1. A few pages, turn to your right, go past 2 Timothy. And then there's Titus, that little book Titus. This is Paul writing to the pastor Titus. He writes in verse 15 of chapter 1 of Titus. Listen to this. Now, I want you to listen to this message. Listen to this text. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled, nothing, and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Nothing is pure to those who are unbelieving and defiled. But even their minds and their conscience are defiled. Do you see that? Their mind and their conscience has been defiled. They profess to know God. But in words, they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. So Paul is writing and trying to teach us that there's a time when we can fall away, our minds can be blinded, and our conscience can be seared to the things of God. And by the way, it can happen to all of us. Amen? So what does that mean? It means when we stop walking with God and start walking with self. We start walking with God and start putting emphasis in all the the limelight, if you will, on our self. When we start claiming God's glory, it becomes us now and I instead of us with God. See, we're on the throne and we take God off the throne. And when that happens in my life or in your life, when we start saying, oh, I want to do this, it's mine, blah, 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 and all those kind of things, and we start putting us on the throne and take God off of the throne, I'm telling you, we're for downfall individually as a great church, as a city, as a nation, and as a world. When we dethrone God and put man and us on there and I, we're in trouble. Let me give you an example. There was a paper in the foyer last Sunday. It was, uh, somebody said, your picture's on the front of the paper. And so I went over and picked it up. There was an article about me and my family that uh, we have a magazine called Challenge. And I was reading that, but I also read inside the testimony of Charlotte Pence. I began to read that testimony of Charlotte Pence. You know who she is? She's a millennial. She's in college, but she's also the daughter of our former vice president, Mike, and his wife, Karen Pence. And so she'd been raised in a godly home, and she gave her testimony. I began to read that, and it kind of goes along with what I want to say. She said, I felt the Bible was antiquated because it was written a long time ago. And she goes on to say this. She says, I didn't really want Christianity to be true because then that would mean I would have to change how I was living, change certain relationships, and I would have to answer to God. That's right where we are. You know why we don't want God? Because we don't want to change our lifestyle. We don't want to change the way we behave. We don't want to change what we do. That's why God cramps our lifestyle. We don't want him on the throne because we're on it. And that's what Charlotte Pence is saying. 
I, I didn't want Christianity because I knew if I surrender to Christianity, I got to surrender to God's word and God's truth. She goes on to say this. Very fascinating to me when I read this. She said this. I started sort of trying atheism because I really needed, I didn't really want my Christian faith. She said, during that entire year, I was actively running away from God, but during that whole year, he was running after me. Hallelujah. She said, on the plane home, she was over in uh, England studying. She said, but on the plane home, I started crying, Dwayne, she said, when I heard a Christian song. By the way, music ministers, doesn't it? When I heard a Christian song, I began to weep, and I felt the overwhelming presence of God around me. I felt that God was welcoming me back and folding me in his arms. It was like God was saying, I still want you, even though you ran away. I still want you, and I forgive you. He's a good, good father, isn't he? Oh, what a savior. Even though we leave him, we, we turn away from him, we abandon him, he still loves you. He still loves me. He still loves America. He still loves Israel. He loves all of us. But I want to tell you something. If you read the Word, there's consequences for our actions. Always. God takes away the penalty and the punishment of sin, but sin will run its course and we have to suffer the consequences of our actions. Even though God will forgive us and take us back, He has open arms. He, he forgives and I'm glad that he's a good, good father. Here's a quote. I heard Brother Bradley say this quote last week, and I wrote it down. Listen to this. James McDonald said this. The biggest obstacle to making Christ magnificent is the refusal to make ourselves small. See, God's a big, big God. And we've got to honor him as God the Father. We've got to get out of the way. That's why John the Baptist said this. I must decrease, and he must increase and that's what has to happen in my life your life our lives america's life israel's life we've got to decrease the self and glorify the father give him glory and give him praise and worship him don't you know we're going to be doing that in heaven <laughs> we need to start getting a, a head start freddie amen we need to start worshiping him now so what's happened? And so I want to talk about this. And, you know, Israel, the nation of Israel, we can learn a lot. As I've been reading through the Old Testament, I'm just, it's fascinating how Israel had a good king and then had a bad king and a bad king, a good king. And, and they, they did this and they got off into idolatry. They came back, they repented. And all of that's a cycle. And so how, how does God view Israel? And so if you read the Old Testament, you'll see that. God's got a plan for them all the way to the very end. Even though they've, as a whole, forsaken him, they don't even believe in Jesus, the Messiah. Some of the Orthodox Christian, I mean, Orthodox Jews don't. And so uh, I, I believe we're, we're seeing some of this in America. And so what happened? Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8 on the screen. I am the Lord, this, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. God delivered Israel out of uh, Egypt. What they do? They hadn't gotten very far. Part of the Red Sea. What they start doing? Where's God? We don't know where He is. Where's Moses? They started building a calf. Aaron built a calf, a golden calf, and they began to worship the golden calf. How did that work out for them? You know what it did? It ticked God off. I'm telling you, it ticked God off. 
He told Moses, I'm going to take them out. Oh, please don't. Please don't. You brought us too far. But God didn't. But God gave them the Ten Commandments. And God sent Moses back down. They were worshiping an idol. Instead of the God that delivered them from tyranny and from slavery. And they, they turned their back on God. And so as we look at that, 1 Chronicles 16, 29, Give the Lord the glory due His name. By the way, do you know that God's a jealous God? I'm jealous of my bride. Don't mess with her. I've got too much invested in her. Amen? I'm the bride of Christ. God's a jealous God. He don't want to share me with idols. He don't want to share me with the world as far as worshiping the world. He's my Father. He's my God. And so we got to remember this. And I'm telling you, we, sometimes we just forget it. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 21 and 22, listen to this. You know what God did to Israel? Jacob. He said, I'm going to call your name Ichabod. Now, that's a weird name, isn't it? I don't heard no, nobody named Ichabod, not even a dog I know of. He said, I'm going to call your name Ichabod. You know what that means? My glory has departed. Israel, you've backslidden, you've drifted away, you've turned away from me, you're not walking me anymore. I'm just going to take my spirit off of you. My glory has departed. Wow. I never want that to be said of me or you, this great church, and our nation. And so we don't want to play around with God. Amen? He's the Father. He's the Creator. He's our Lord. And so we don't want to drift away. We don't want to do our own thing. See, we don't want to go our own way. We want to follow Him. Let me give you a couple examples what I'm talking about. Uh, number one, Satan. Satan, old Slewfoot, old uh, devil, uh, Lucifer. In Isaiah chapter 14, listen to this text. You can turn there with me. Isaiah chapter 14. Here's a great text that Jesus said in Luke. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then in chapter 14 of Isaiah, the prophet gives us insight. Now, he's talking here about the king of Babylon. It's a typology, but he's talking about Lucifer, who was the day star, a great angel, beautiful angel who fell from heaven. Here's the story. Watch what happened. Chapter 14, verse 12 of Isaiah. Have, how have you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, day star, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart. Now notice this. I want you to follow me. You have said in your heart. This is your heart. Now watch the pronoun I in the following sentences. You have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther side of the, of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. That's why he fell from heaven. He wanted to be God. He didn't want to acknowledge God, give God the glory. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be on the throne, and so he fell out of heaven. Now, let me give you another example. Adam and Eve, God put them in a great garden. It was like heaven, man. They had it made in the shade. I mean, they had a garden there. I mean, everything was perfect in the Garden of Eden. And then what happened? 
Along came Jones. <laughs> you know that old song? Some of you remember that. Along came the devil. He said, hey, Eve, what you doing? I'm just, oh, just got it made. God's so good. Well, what about, what are you doing? He said, uh, we just got everything. Look at all these trees we could eat. Of. What about that tree over there? Well, we can't eat of that one. God told us, no, 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 don't eat of that tree. Oh, this is what he, this is what he said. Oh, God didn't mean what he said. Yes, he did. He meant exactly what he said, Eve. He means exactly what this word says. Oh, he didn't really mean that. You can eat of that tree. It'll be okay. And she did. She fell for that lie of Satan. He blinded her. And she fell for it, and she ate of it. The Bible says she gave it to her husband, Adam. And you know what happened? The Bible says this. They knew they were naked. So what does that mean? It means they sinned. They fell away from God. They disobeyed God, and sin entered the picture. Now, all of a sudden, Adam looks at Eve. Eve looks at Adam. Ooh. What's that? Anyway, they said, didn't say that. she didn't say that. Didn't say that. Anyway, that's not in there, right? <clears throat> Wake up. <laughs> now that I got your attention. What happened? Here's what happened. They sinned against God. Now, there's consequences coming. They sinned against God. Now they knew they were naked. They sinned. It's kind of like the age of innocence. You got small children like my grandchildren, uh, Lincoln and Dusty Joe. Uh, They're kind of the same age. And when they were little, they took baths together. And Dodare would bathe them together. They didn't know anything. They didn't know they were naked. But then one day, she didn't teach them this. Nobody told them that. Just one day, they said, "Uh uh-oh, there's a difference. There's a difference. And by the way, I don't care what these gender folks say. There is a difference. There's male and female, amen. There's just flat-out male and female. That's how they knew. They knew they were different. And so Eve had to go get her a, a fig leaf dress, and Adam had a cowhide pants. And they had to cover themselves. They covered their sin, but God covered them because of their sin. He still loved them, but he kicked them out of the garden. He had to toil the ground now. There was consequences. There always is when we disobey God and fall away. From God. And so we, we see this very vividly. And so uh, I want to give us a few examples uh, of contrast, just for the next few moments, a few examples of a contrast. Number one, a contrast of kings. Now, I really thought about this, and how could you give an example of, of what's happening here in the Old Testament, what happened today? And so I want to draw a parallel here, and I'll get to today, okay? And so a contrast of kings. First of all, King Saul, he was the very first king of Israel. Israel wanted a king. God said, I'm your king. No, we want somebody we can see. We want somebody we can see vividly. We want a king. God said, all right, if you want a king, I'll give you a king. They gave him King Saul. He did all right at first, then he began to do what? I am a king. He got arrogant. He started looking in the mirror. Hey, I'm, I'm the king. The Bible said he was tall, dark, and handsome. Said he was head above, head above anybody else. He was a real handsome man. He began to he began to fall away from God and he began to disobey God. He did it on several occasions, by the way. And so he fell away from God. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, 11. Don't miss this. Listen. God speaking to, to uh, Samuel. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has 
turned back from following me and has not kept my commandments. Wow. He turned back. He was following me. I made him king, king of Israel, but he turned away from me and fell back. Let me give you the contrast. King David. He followed Saul, by the way. By the way, God chose David. David was a little boy. He was the Justin Bieber of Israel. I mean, he was handsome. The Bible said he was good-looking. He was handsome. He's a young guy. He was a student, if you will. He was a young boy. And so God chose him, the youngest son of Jesse. didn't choose the other brothers, chose David. And boy, I'm telling you what, David was a humble guy. He couldn't believe it. He went against Goliath, you know the story and all that. And God raised him up and God began to use him. He became popular. The Bible says that God said, David's a man after my own heart, walking with God. Amen? Well, let's keep looking what happened. Well, one day he got to be king, got to be reading all of his press clippings, how good a fighter he was, a valiant man of war, won so many wars, and he read the papers about it. He began to listen to the song they wrote about him. And all of a sudden, he began to get the eye problem. Look at me. Look what I've done. I'm not going to go to battle today. I don't have to go. I'm the king. And all of a sudden, there was a lady over there bathing. Her name was Bathsheba. He looked at her, wanted her, had her, because he's the king, not following God right now, doing his own thing, making his own decisions. He looks at her and he gets her, gets her pregnant. She has a baby. Oh, May, we got to fix this. Never called on God, never repented at that point. Had her husband back, killed him, had him killed. And now all of a sudden the prophet Nathan comes and says, Hey, David, you messed up. You're the man. And David did love God. He was a man of God. He drifted away from God. He broke his heart. And he wrote Psalms 32 and Psalms 51. God forgave him and restored him because he repented to God. He turned away from God, but then he turned back to God. And by the way, that's where some of us are today. We were raised in a good home. We were following the Lord. And all something happened in our lives, circumstances. We drifted away from God, got away from him. We're not following him. And God's saying, come on home, I'll forgive you. Just like Charlotte Prince, he'll fold his arms around you and take you back. But you've got to repent. You've got to want it. God's waiting on you. That's where some of you are today. You need to come on home. Here's another contrast I want us to see, a contrast of nations. I've already alluded to this, but very quickly. The nation of Israel. God chose Israel, had his hand on them. He said, I am your God and you are my people. He loved them and blessed them. But what happened? They got into idolatry. They began to worship the Baals. They began to, to have high places. Everywhere they went had these high place idols. They began to worship the idols and turned away from God. Now I want you to let, turn to Jeremiah just for a moment. Jeremiah chapter 2. I want to read something. I want you to listen to this very carefully. Jeremiah chapter 2. Here's what the Bible says. Jeremiah the prophet, verse number 5. Thus saith the Lord, What injustice have your fathers found in me? They have gone far away from me. Look at that. They have gone far from me. They have followed idols and have become idolaters. Wow. Now jump over to verse number 11. Look at verse 11. Has a nation changed its gods? Wow. 
who, which are not gods, but my people have changed their glory. They're giving glory to idols. They're worshiping idols and giving them the glory, not me. For what does not profit? They're giving something that doesn't profit. We think it will. We're, we're fast-paced seeking it, but it's not going to profit. Look in verse 13. Listen to this. For my people, in verse 13, have committed two evils. Here they are, two evils. They have forsaken me, and they have forsaken, forsaken me, the fountain of living water. So what did they do? They forsook the living water, and they pewned themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Here's what they did. God's our living water. He's our life. He's living water. By the way, Jesus said, I'm the living water. Oh, we don't need you. We got our own water. Our well's full, man. Our ships come in. Our 401k's great. Man, I got all things going on. And you know, God, I, I, I'm glad you got me over here, but I don't really need you right now. I got all, everything going pretty good. And I don't need all that living water because I got my cisterns over here. They're full of stuff now. And I'm doing all right. It's where people are. And by the way, I'm going to share with you, that's exactly where America is. That's where we've gotten to. Now, here's the contrast. America is also, like Israel, a blessed nation. Can I get a witness? You believe in America is a blessed nation? You don't believe that? Go to one of those other countries. Spend a week there, two weeks, three weeks. You try it. I'm telling you, this is a blessed nation. God has put his hand on America. We have all the resources. We have all the stuff. God has greatly blessed our nation. But I'm telling you, like Israel, we're on the same path of idolatry. We're following ourselves, our intellect. We're following all the things, the science. Following the science. We're following all sorts of stuff. And I'm telling you, I thank God for Lindsay Lane Christian Academy that's teaching our children a biblical worldview. Because I'm telling you, they're probably not getting it in most other places. We don't teach history anymore. We don't learn from mistakes that Israel made. And we've got to learn from our history. And we're not learning. And that's what I want to help us with. We need to learn. And so that's what Jeremiah was trying to teach. And so uh, that's what, you know, you think about America. I just want you to think about it just for a moment. We've got a great heritage like Israel. You know, God led Israel out of Egypt, the tyranny of the Egyptians. He also led America out of Britain, if you will, on the tyranny of British rule. Founded America. Now we have our own laws and we have our own nation, Right? And we're a blessed nation. And we have a heritage. We have a great heritage in America. We have great leaders in America even. But think about this. You go to Washington, there's a monument after George Washington called the Washington Monument. There's also a, mo a monument called the Lincoln Memorial after Abraham Lincoln, right? And we got scripture on all those buildings. All of those buildings are covered with scripture. So we have a great heritage. You think about that. We pledge allegiance to America. Here's what we say. One nation under God. I wonder if we mean that when we say it. One nation under God, right? One nation under God. And then our money says, in God we trust. Do we really, as a whole, as a nation now? 
Do we really trust in God? Is we, are we one nation under God? I mean, we opened the Senate and the Congress with opening prayer. That's a great thing. And now all of a sudden we're praying to a monotheistic God. We're worshiping Buddha. Can you, give, can you believe it? Praying to Buddha? In our capital? That's called idolatry. So, bad news, right? Wow. A lot of bad news. And it is. It's going that way. We're in a fast pace of turning away from God as a nation. Now, so how do we do that? What, what happens? We just take our eyes off of God. And by the way, it starts happening individually. It happens in churches. You know that England used to be one of the most godless nations with all those churches with Charles Spurgeon and all those patriarchs that had those great cathedrals. And now one of the cathedrals that Charles Spurgeon used to preach in that would seat thousands is a restaurant. And I'm worried about Britain. I'm worried about... Because we see a, a path. And so, what happens when we dethrone God? And that's what's happening in America, I believe. The Bible says in Psalms 33, 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And then a contrast in leaders. And I'll close with this one. Here's the last one. Contrast in leaders. Um, uh, Israel had a lot of e leaders. They had a New Testament king by the name of Herod. Right? Remember King Herod? By the way, he was a hellion. He was a heathen. He loved himself. He looked in the mirror all the time. I mean, he was jealous of Jesus. You know, he heard about a baby named Jesus being born in Bethlehem. Oh, let's go kill that dude. Nobody's going to interrupt my throne. He was a hellion. And here, listen to what the Bible says. I want you to listen to this. He had John the Baptist beheaded. He killed the James, the brother of John. This is Herod. Here's what the Bible said about Herod in Acts chapter 12. Listen to this on the screen, 12, 21 to 23. So on a set day, Herod arrayed, arrayed in royal, uh, royal apparel, sat on his throne, and gave an oration to them. That's a speech. He's on the throne giving a big speak, speech to Israel. And the people kept shouting, The voice of a God! Not of a man, good night. Look at this guy. He got a voice of God. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. He didn't give, he stole the glory. He put the emphasis on him, just like Satan. Like a lot of us, maybe at times, we give ourselves glory, not the Lord. Herod was very popular, all of those things. Now let's contrast that. To America, we've had great leaders. We've had we've had leaders like David and Joseph. They're great leaders of Israel. But we've also had some Sauls and Ahabs. Can I get a witness? We've had some bad ones too, just like Israel did. So, what makes a good leader? Let's close. What makes a good leader? One that follows God, one that's led by God, one who seeks God's will in His direction, one who tries to follow God and give God the glory. Now. I want to give you an example we can all relate to. It's relevant. It's the elephant in the room. And I want to use President Trump as an example. How many of you gasped when I said that? I know Andy John did. <laughs> but I want to use that example because this is something we see right in front of our eyes and we can learn from. This message is to help us to learn how to follow God and not walk away and fall away from Him. President Trump, like King Herod, 
loved the splendor and the glory of being a king in charge. He liked that. He was like Herod in that. But unlike Herod, President Trump, I believe, came to the place in his life that he really tried to honor God and do the right thing by God. How do you know that? Well, he passed some laws and he made some great stands that lined up with the Word of God. And so he, uh, he really tried to make America great. And I believe that he did. But something happened. Just like David, something happened. He put Donald Trump in the place of where God should be. He started glorifying himself instead of God. And we saw the fall. And we see a nation that's struggling because of leadership to give God the glory, to stand up for God, to lead our nation back to God. We're struggling. And I'm praying for our President Biden. I'm praying for him. I really am. He's my president. And I'm praying for our president and our leaders to return to God, to fall on our face as a nation and ask God to forgive us. We've fallen away from him. We've turned away from him. I pray for this great church every day and for our pastor because I've seen what happened in England. And I know what can happen to a church if we lose sight and put ourselves on the throne and don't give God the glory for where we've come from. God's blessed us as a church, as a nation, as people. And if we ever turn our back on God and start putting the emphasis on us, look what we've done, look how great we are, then like what I've talked about Israel and America and these leaders, we're in for a great fall. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but whose end is the way of destruction. And I think that's what happened. It looked right, it was good for a while, but the end was destruction because we got caught up in the glory like David did. And so I want to read this and I'm going to close. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. I want you to look at it. It's going to be on the screen. Listen to this. I believe this is what happened to Trump and a lot of leaders. Listen to this. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glorify in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness and justice and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. He wants to give us his glory. Do you know that? I believe he's put his hand on Lindsay Lane. I believe he's favored this great church. He's given us glory. As long as we give him glory, he's going to bless us. But we turn away and fall away like we've seen today, then we're in for destruction. The Bible says in James 4, 7, Submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. The Bible also says in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Listen to this. Paul said it. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Amen and amen. I'll close with this. Patsy and I got married very young. 
We were both raised in church. She was raised at Bethel Church of Christ. I was raised at Round Island. We both had good parents. We came from good families. We got married, and all of a sudden, we were both in the youth group at our churches, but all of a sudden, when we got married, we just quit going to church. So we just quit going. We started partying, things of the world, Satan. We didn't understand it then, but Satan was blinding us, saying, ah, we don't really need to go to church. We don't really need to worship God. Let's just, we're doing okay. And so two young people, a couple out there having a time of our life, we thought, struggling. And then five years into that marriage, I began to gamble heavily and we just began to live for the weekends and all of that. And all of a sudden, this good old marriage started going downhill fast. And we began to struggle. And then one day, Patsy said, I'm going back to church. I don't care what you say. I'm taking Haley. We're going to church. And she did. She got saved, got baptized. And I, didn't, I just gave her hell. But I watched her. And I saw her living the Christian life that I hadn't really seen nowhere. But I saw my wife living it. And so I said, I want that. And so circumstances that came in our life, destruction, I mean downhill, agony, pain, all of those things happened. Then I found Christ and I got saved. We both were baptized and saved. And our lives began to change. I didn't understand it. But God began to bless me. And I'm telling you, Bradley, I'm just telling you. He's put his hand on me, and he's favored us. I've been all over the world just about with God. And, and, and it had happened when I quit turning my back on him and started walking to him. All of a sudden, our life began to blossom, and we began to be blessed. We still have things, and you have things, but nothing like before when we walked away. We took ourselves off the throne. And we put God on our home and on our marriage. And God began to change our lives. He'll do the same thing for you. Let's pray.